sermon series this day today called Learning to Lament. And uh, this was actually not the series that I had planned to begin today. It was actually had a whole series mapped out uh, called uh, Missional Influence was the name of it. And what the plan was is we were just going to pick up. Last week, we ended up uh, Luke chapter, I believe it was eight. We were just going to pick up in Luke chapter nine today and kind of look at how Jesus commissioned his 12 and then uh, commissioned more, 72 out, to go out on behalf of him. But we want to leave room. This is just something I'm deeply convinced of and convicted by is that we want to leave room uh, for the Holy Spirit to kind of work and move in the life of our church. I don't want our plans to be so rigid all the time that when something happens or when the Holy Spirit prompts, we don't have the flexibility to move. And Jesus said these words, and I believe them. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. And if the last couple of years haven't convinced you of that already, certainly the last two months probably have. We've prayed here as a church over the situation that's happened, that's continuing to unfold in Ukraine. Uh, last week, we interceded on behalf of those families that uh, had their lives tragically ended and shattered uh, by the shooting in Buffalo. My wife later that day reminded me that I had completely forgot because I just honestly, I, I couldn't even keep up with it all, had completely forgot about the shooting that had happened uh, in, at the Taiwanese church in California the very next day after the shooting in Buffalo. And then obviously this week, our, our lives uh, were so interrupted by the news that we heard of the shooting that happened in Uvalde, Texas. Innocent lives going about their lives, in some cases, lives taken, and in all situations, lives changed forever. And there's so much loss, so much tragedy, hope stolen and ripped away from parents, from kids, from friends, from coworkers, and in communities. And I hope that our hearts as followers of Jesus have had a moment to just go out. You know, so many times in the gospels, we see that phrase where Jesus' heart went out. It's the idea of compassion. Jesus had compassion on the people. And this week, I hope that we've had that same heart as we've heard and we've seen these things unfold in our world. And I want to, I've been challenged by this in my own heart is that surely we as followers of Jesus who have received so much undeserved grace and mercy on our lives, surely could position ourselves in a much more compassionate and grace-filled posture towards the brokenness of people in the world than the people that aren't walking with Jesus. Scripture says that we should weep with those who weep and that we should mourn with those who mourn. And there have certainly been so many opportunities, even beyond our own lives of things we deal with, there has certainly been many opportunities to share in the sufferings of others. And I know we just prayed for Esther and for Mike, but I, I do want us even in this moment now to pause and pray. You know, our community is not um, too far removed from a tragedy that happened last year, a shooting in a grocery store. 
And I remember the fear that I felt walking back into that same store a few weeks later. And so what we want to do now is we just want to posture ourselves in a compassionate stance. And we just want to pray those words, Lord, would you be near to the brokenhearted? And would you save those who are crushed in spirit? So would you just kind of position yourself just in a, in a posture of prayer for just a moment as well? Jesus, you went to the tomb of Lazarus and you wept. And you knew what was to come, but what was to come did not keep you in the moment from experiencing how sin and death robbed humanity. And Father, we have hope. And we thank you for the hope that we have that one day you will come and you will restore all things and you will remove all sin and you will remove all death and you will remove all tragedy from this world. But it should not keep us from grieving with those who are grieving, from weeping with those who are weeping, and from mourning with those who are mourning. And so, Father, I pray this morning that every one of these families, these communities who have been so wrecked with devastation, but in a very real, tangible way, feel your peace, would feel your grace, would feel your mercy in their homes would feel your mercy and your grace in their churches this morning would feel your mercy and your grace on those streets and in those cities father we hope but we also grieve and we carry that tension in our hearts and lives as followers of Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So with all of that as the backdrop this week, I, I was wrestling with this Luke text and I just begin to pray, Lord, what? This just doesn't feel right. It just it just doesn't it doesn't seem like the right thing to do for our church, for our church family right now. And and maybe you're wrestling in your own life. You you can't even process all of what's happening out there because even you in your own life, you're processing health or broken relationships, loved ones who continue to make terrible choices. Maybe you're processing uh, people that you know who are making, uh, they have cycle of addicted behaviors. Or, or I met with somebody this week who just said, man, I'm just lonely. I'm just lonely. And I don't know what to do. Maybe you've got unfulfilled dreams you're carrying this morning, things you've begged God for and just have not seen it real realized in your life. So how do, how do we process this, this pain, this tragedy, the loss, the circumstances that seem to confront everything we feel like we should know about the goodness of God? We find ourselves in these moments where we question the goodness of God. We wrestle it to the ground. And I have been left with my, myself many times over the last few weeks with the sense of this 
where is God? And you may be saying to yourself, can, can we even ask that question in church? You may be saying, can, can I ask that question as a follower of Jesus? You may be looking around saying, can, can the pastor even ask that question? And I want to say to you this morning is the answer to that is a resounding yes. Because the Psalms of Lament give us permission to say out loud the hard things we can't seem to make sense of in hopes of returning to joy, in hopes of returning to hope, or simply just finding a way to make sense of what seems unlikely to make sense in our lives or in our current moment. But it is a journey. And so over the next few weeks, I want to take us on this journey of learning how to lament And we're going to sort of table this idea of missional influence and come back to it. That's going to be very real for us. And we're going to need to understand that. We're going to come back to that sometime soon. But I want to take you on a journey of this idea of lament and how we're going to learn as a a family to lament. So today what we're going to do is we're going to kind of lay more of a foundation, kind of give an overview of what lament actually is. And so I want to break this into just a few parts today. First is it's going to be, we're going to, we're going to actually define what a biblical lament is. And then we're going to see the biblical framework for lament. And then we're going to get permission from the scriptures to lament. And so I'm going to be kind of moving all around a little bit today. This is going to be more of a teaching on the subject of lament versus walking through one sort of defined piece of scripture like we normally do here at Grace Hill. But I just believe that we need to be formed in this way. That We need to be discipled into this of how do we lament? And so I want to say to you this morning, whether you're young, you're a teenager, you're a kid, or you're the, the oldest person that's here today, I promise you this is relevant for our lives. And it may not be relevant for you right in this moment, but I have walked with many of you through the valley of the shadow of death. And this has been your story of what you have needed most in those moments. So I want to invite you just to stand with me for the reading of God's word. And even though I'm not going to walk through a particular text today, I do want us just to hear the words of Psalm 13, maybe one of the more sort of concise, famous laments there are in all of Scripture. David writes this, How long, Lord? How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long am I to feel anxious in my soul with grief in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. But I have trusted in your faithfulness. 
My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has looked after me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Amen. So this morning, we want to spend just a few moments, and we, want to, we just want to define lament. I just want to spend a few minutes here, and, and I want to give you a few ways to sort of think about the idea of what a lament is. The first kind of idea that we could, and I want to give a few because these may sort of resonate with you differently, is this, is that a lament is a prayer that leads to trust. Another way to think about it is this, is a lament is a spiritual process of moving from heartbreak to hope. My definition for a lament is a little longer, but this is my definition. A lament is spiritual permission to process the pain of life all while searching for God's grace and understanding. A lament, and I want us to be clear on this, a lament is simply a means to an end. That's why I've titled this uh, uh, Learning to Lament with sort of the subtitle, uh, A Journey Towards Hope. Because a a lament, it's not meant to stay at lament. It's meant to be a journey back towards hope. I want to give you this illustration. Think of it like a fishing pole. A a fishing pole is simply a means to an end, is it not? The, The goal is to not just get a fishing pole. The goal is to get a fishing pole so that you can catch a fish. And a lament, a biblical lament is simply that. It is simply a means to an end, a a process in which we can return back to hope. Stacey Gletty Smith has this to say about lament. A lament honestly and specifically names a situation or circumstance that is painful wrong or unjust. In other words, a circumstance that does not align with God's character and does not make sense with God's kingdom. And so you may say to yourself, well, how do I know what, where there are things, where there are areas, where there are circumstances where I should lament? Well, we we talk about this quite often is that there are seven signs of the kingdom of God. And so whenever we see one of these signs, whether it's deliverance or joy, peace, justice, God's presence, uh, belonging and healing, whenever one of these gets disrupted, it might be a moment where we lament because there's something that's out of alignment with God's character that's happening in our world, our circumstances, our life. And we want to lament that so that we can return to hope. A biblical lament is usually centered, when we look at scripture, it's usually centered around two questions. And that is this, where are you, God? And why is this happening? Just on this Memorial Day weekend, could, could we just have a moment of honesty? H- how many of you in your life have had a moment where you have wrestled with one or both of those questions? Can you just raise your hand? Yeah. I also want to say this to you, is that a lament proof right here 
can also be a community endeavor. It does not have to be something that we carry isolated and alone. We can lament with others. We can invite others into our lament because we've just saw it's something that we all carry. We all have moments where we say, where are you, God? And why is this happening? And there is a framework for constructing a lament. There is a, an actual biblical framework that, that shows up time and time and time again for constructing a lament. And, and the first instance is this, is that it usually shows up in this way. It's this sort of this uh, uh, continuation, this idea of, of keep praying. That's sort of a first step in it is to just keep praying praying. Stay diligent in prayer. Psalm 73 says this, or 77, I'm sorry. In the day of my trouble, what? I sought the Lord. And in the night, my hand was what? Stretched out and it did not grow weary. We just stretched out our hands just a moment ago, did we not? In prayer. My soul refused to be comforted. Listen to this resolve that the psalmist here has. When I remember God, I am restless. When I sigh, my spirit feels weak. Selah. It's this idea of continuing to keep praying, to be restless with it, to be fervent in it, to not give up. It's sort of the baseline for a biblical lament. And, and maybe you don't know what to pray. And I would invite you, if you wanted to, to take out your phone and, and take a picture of this next slide that's going to be up on the screen. St. Augustine, in his book, Confessions, a historical church father, wrote this. Oh, Lord, my God, tell me where you are to me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. St. Augustine knew this, but he needed God to remind him of it. My heart is listening, Lord. Open the ears of my heart and say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let me run towards this voice and seize hold of you. Do not hide your face from me. Let me die so that I might see it. For not to see it would be death to me indeed. A biblical lament, sort of the baseline of that, the step, first step is to keep praying. And, and I don't know about you, but I know for me, I am so quick to turn to other solutions. I'm so quick to try to turn to other remedies to fix whatever situation I may find myself needing to lament over other than being a first step of continuing to pray. Be fervent in my prayer. It's the wonderful thing and the painful thing about seeing my counselor, Ted, who used to be a pastor for many, many years, is that half the time, our, our, my time with him, it just turns into like spiritual counseling. He's like a, like, almost like a spiritual uh, 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 sage for me. And many times in the course of our time together, he will ask me this one question. How much have you prayed about this? He asked me this one time, he said, have you prayed about this more than you're talking to me about it right now? See, the first step of a biblical lament is to keep praying. And you may say, oh, well, well, 
okay, give me a boundary for prayer. What's that look like? Well, think about prayer as permission to have the most raw conversation with God possible. You see, God has given us permission to bring all of our cares, all of our anxieties, and all of our complaints to God. You see, when we pray, prayer doesn't have to be complicated. And prayer doesn't have to be polished. Jesus actually gave us great instruction in Matthew 6 on how we could pray. And it doesn't have to be all together. It doesn't have to be perfected. It doesn't have to be polished. We have permission from God to come to him with this raw, sometimes just emotion. I say, God, where are you? And another sort of aspect of a biblical lament, sort of a framework for this is this, is we see this all the time in this, is that we can bring our complaints to God as part of lamenting. Psalm 10.1, why do you stand so far away, Lord? It literally sounds like my eight-year-old sometimes talking to me. If you read through the Psalms, you'll see that sometimes, the Psalms of Lament. It sounds almost like a petulant child talking to their father or mother. It's the permission that we've been given from Scripture. We're going to talk about that more in a minute, but, but, but we have permission to bring our complaints to God. The psalmist here is complaining that God, he, he, you feel far away, God. It feels like God's hiding yourself from me. Sometimes hide and seek is fun if you're playing with your kid. But it doesn't feel great if you feel like God's playing hide and seek with you. And a lament gives us the framework to bring that frustration back to God, even if it's about God. But remember, this is a journey towards hope. We aren't meant to just stay in our complaints. This framework is designed to help move us towards an end result. Uh, Mark uh, Rogop, who wrote one of the most fantastic books, so much of this content comes out of it. It's called uh, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, and it's a whole book about lament. This whole framework comes from his book. He had this to say, lament does not give you an excuse to wallow in your questions or frustration. If you never move beyond complaint, lament loses its power and purpose. That's the whole beautiful picture about a spiritual lament is that it is designed to move us towards hope. You say, well, how does that happen? If, 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 I can, if I can bring these complaints in prayer because I'm just fervent in my prayer and I'm continuing to pray and, and I'm continuing to complain, how does it move me? How do I get out of that cycle? Well, so often what we see in a biblical lament is the next third, it's the third part of this framework, and that is this. It is to ask boldly. You see, when we pivot and we begin to ask boldly, it begins to move us from complaint to actually asking God, God, this is what I need you to do. This is what I'm asking you to do. Listen to this, Psalm 22. Do not be far from me. 
for trouble is near, for there is no one else, there's no one to help. He's, he's asking boldly. He may say, God, I feel like you're far from me. Where are you in the context of this Psalm 22? We're going to look at it more in just a minute. In the context of Psalm 22, this is the, the my God, my God, why have you forsaken me passage. And he's saying here, don't be far. God, I need you to be near to me. Even though I feel like you're far, I need you to be near to me. Rebecca Utland has this to say, those who lament, I love this, those who lament stand on the boundary between the old age and the new and hope for things unseen. This is the process of lament. This is the process of returning, of moving on a journey towards hope. As we ask boldly, we pray bold prayers. And Jesus gave us permission to pray bold prayers. Listen to what he said in Mark 11. It's not going to be on the screen, but listen to what he said in Mark 11, 23 and 24. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. This is a bold, bold prayer to pray. And this is what begins to pivot our hearts away from the despair, away from the grief, away from the burden, away from the anxiety, away from the shame, is when we begin to say, God, this is the thing that I need you to do. Last week, Randall talked about faith as we wrapped up the Graves in the Garden series. And he talked about risky faith and persistent faith. These are the same ideas here in the lament. It is risky and it is also persistent to pray bold prayers. And that's what we're invited to do in a biblical lament. We have a family in our church. I won't give away any names, but they have been wrestling with a situation in their family for a number of years. And it's, it's become a, 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 a kind of an inside thing with, with her and I now to some degree because we were on the phone one day and, and, and I was checking in with them to see how they were doing. And she made this comment to me. She said, just in her, just, just utter, just sort of despair and exhaustion with the situation. She said, Jason, I've prayed the same prayer a million times. And I think it was just the Holy Spirit. It wasn't me. I think it was just the Holy Spirit that prompted me to say this. My statement back to her was this. Maybe it'll take a million and one. And so now every once in a while when I see her and there's some good news in the story and in the, in the circumstance, I'll say, it's a million and one, isn't it? And she'll be like, I know. It's a million and one. This is what bold prayers, risky prayers, persistent prayers and lament give us. When was the last time that you prayed a bold prayer? And here's how I want to sort of put the framework around a bold prayer. Let me put it to you in this way. When was the last time you prayed a prayer so bold that you would have been afraid to tell somebody about it? This is the kind of prayer that lament invites us to pray. 
Number four, the framework for this is this, is that at the end of this, at the end of this sort of, this framework is sort of a decision point. And that is that we choose to trust. So many times in a biblical lament, we see this moment of resolve. It will usually center around a few words, yet, then, or but. The psalmist here in Psalm 13, we just read it earlier, but I have trusted in your faithfulness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has looked after me. A question I will often ask myself when I am wrestling uh, in a season of lament and it just feels like it's just, you know, it's just foggy. It's just like everything, just nothing makes sense. And it just, it's just, it's just a mess. I'll reach this point so many times in this process, in this journey. And I'll have to just confront my own security in myself. And I'll challenge myself with this question. Who else am I going to trust but God? Really? Who else am I going to trust but God? I've got to move on really quick, but, but I, I want to give you this, this, this sort of pattern of this. It's going to be up on the screen in this way. See, we want lament to look like this. Okay, here's a situation, God. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to bring my complaints. I'm going to ask boldly, and then I'm going to choose to trust. Got my coffee, got my devotional, done. But here, and I'm sorry, this is the best I could do with it. This is often what happens and what a biblical lament actually looks like. Back and forth, up and down, two steps forward, two steps back. To lament is to be committed to the mess. And there are days where I feel like I've taken steps in this and I'm, I'm asking boldly, God, I'm here. And I'm right back into just voicing my complaints. And I get right up to the line of choosing to trust. And it's like, man, I gotta go all the way back. I gotta keep praying again. I gotta keep going. To lament is to embrace the mess. And, and that's why I, I said this. I, I don't know if you saw my post on social media, but I was deeply, deeply convinced of this is that the church cannot offer cliche, trite statements to the world anymore. We do a disservice when we do that. It is hard, it is messy, and life just sucks sometimes. And the good news for you and the good news for me is the grace of Jesus is right there through it all. And we have permission to lament. And that's where I want to kind of end our time this morning is just by looking for just a few minutes at, at this. At how do we gain permission? You know, I asked earlier, like, can we even ask these questions? God, where are you? can we even do this in church? This doesn't feel right. I was told I was never supposed to question God. But we actually have permission to go down this journey towards hope. The first one I want to give you is this, is that scripture, scripture is full of laments. We have an entire book of the Bible called Lamentations. It is one giant mess of a lament over a nation. 
So scripture gives us permission, but then also the Psalms, the psalmist, time and time again, wrote, laments, a third, there's 150 Psalms, roughly a third of them are laments. Just a few, again, you might want to get your phone ready to take a picture of this because there's going to be a bunch of verses pop up on, or uh, scripture references pop up on the screen. There are three primary forms of lament in the Psalms. They are personal, corporate, and what's called imprecatory. Imprecatory is where you're reading and it's God kicked the teeth in of my enemy. That's an imprecatory psalm. So we have personal laments. And this is not all of them. This is just a handful that I selected. They're personal. We have corporate ones where, where, where a psalmist is grieving the sins of a nation or a community or a kingdom. And then we have imprecatory psalms where the psalmist is just praying bold prayers for God to defeat the enemy. And the third way that we gain permission into this is by looking at the life of Jesus. On the cross, he quoted Psalm 22. And I want to read Psalm 22, uh, 1 and 2 right now, just so you can kind of get a picture of this. He said this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here Jesus is in his moment of anguish, his moment of agony. Maybe the worst pain, physical pain a, a human being could possibly feel. He's, he's degraded by being stripped naked and hung on this cross. And he feels like God has just turned his back on him. He says, why have you forsaken me? The psalmist goes on and he writes this, far from my help are the words of my groaning. My God. I cry out by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. Jesus in his mind, no doubt had, even though he quoted the first part of this, had this psalm on his mind on the cross. And so we get permission from Jesus to go on this journey towards hope. And what I want to do is I want to, we were going to take some time, but I want to be sensitive to the time that we have here this morning. What I want to encourage you to do is probably all of you, most of you have some time, maybe off today, tomorrow, something like that. And what I want to encourage you to do is to just take three to five minutes and just lament. If you've got something there, just lament. Keep praying. Bring your complaints to God. Ask boldly. What's the bold prayer that you are afraid to even pray? And choose to trust. And if you hold that intention with those seven signs of the kingdom of God, you'll know where it's right, when it's appropriate to lament over what's been broken. The other thing I want to do is today as we leave in just a moment, our prayer team, uh, which it's Randall and Miss Marianne and Bobby Kinney and Miss Tina, they're going to be stationed, two of them over here and two of them over here. And as you leave today, if you just need somebody to pray for you, to lament 
with you, to step into the pain. They want to do that. They want to join with you in this. It could be over the loss of a loved one. It could be over a health crisis you're facing. It could be over a job situation. It could be over just, I'm telling you this week. I kept looking at my eight-year-old who's going into third grade next year. And I just kept lamenting for those families in Texas who would not get another birthday. They would not get another Christmas. They wouldn't get to celebrate another honor roll. We just step into those moments, sometimes personally, sometimes corporately, and we lament and we carry those burdens in grief. But here's the reality. The writer of Dark Clouds of Deep Mercy, Mark Rogop, said this too. Is that laments are only possible if God is good. Can we just sit with that for a minute? If God's not good, why go through all this? If God's not good, why voice these prayers of complaint and ask bold things? But it is good. And his mercy and his grace and his love and his kindness and his compassion and his long suffering endures forever. And one visible sign that we can take this morning and experience the grace and the goodness of God is by the Lord's Supper. You see, the Lord's Supper is a sign of the grace and the goodness of our God for our lives. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That we were separated, we were alienated from God. We were dead to sin. And Christ died for us before we ever Lamented before we ever had a moment of conviction in our lives. Christ died for us. To take what was once lost. Blessed be to God. To take what was once lost and now make it found. So today we want to celebrate and be reminded of the grace and the goodness of our God. By taking this little cup. And I just want you to stay seated this morning. I just, I just, I don't want to interrupt this moment. That as we take this bread and we take this juice, we are not just spiritually, sort of mentally thinking on the goodness of God, but we are tasting and experiencing and reminding ourselves whatever laments we may be carrying today, God is good. So the lament is worth it. So we take this little half stale piece of bread
reminds us of the goodness of our Savior. And we take and we eat. And we take the cup. And as we drink, we remind ourselves that our God is good. That his grace is good. That his mercy is good. And we take and we drink. I want to read us out this morning with a pastoral blessing. Romans 15. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weakness of those without strength. And not just to please ourselves. For if each of us please his neighbor for his good to his edification, each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but it is written, the taunts of those who taunt you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus so that with one purpose, And with one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ has accepted us for the glory of God. So as you leave today, one, I want to encourage you, Bobby and Tina and Randall and Marion, if you guys would go ahead and get in place, just right here on kind of people are exiting. So as you leave today, I want to encourage you to lament. You have permission to keep praying, to bring your complaints, to ask boldly, and to trust. I love you. I'm here for you. We are praying for you. Grace and peace. Hey, thanks for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We really hope you found this message compelling and inviting. If you'd like to connect with someone to find out more about Grace Hill Church, or maybe discuss this episode or something else about life or faith, please don't hesitate to reach out to us directly at gracehill901.com. We'd really love to connect and discuss anything with you. And please remember, you matter.